This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where personal spiritual growth is fueled through a variety of practices rather than a single prescriptive time of devotion, where we discuss different spiritual practices that help us be more present with God, others, and ourselves. What's going on, practitioners? Hey, how we doing? We doing good. So I I just want to do this one more time, because I was just sitting here thinking about this when we were talking about like the episode before we hit record. I get really excited to do this to do this podcast. Yeah, I get really excited because I love the practitioners, man. Yeah, like deeply. You guys are the real ones, and apparently, and this is one of the things that I love about it. I became a pastor because I dealt with just a lot of pain in my life, mm. and. I found experiences of healing in faith. Mm. And like, I wanted to be the one to point people in that direction. Yeah. Um, And so I love doing this podcast because of that element. And apparently it's, it matters because this is our fastest growing podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Of all of our podcasts, this is our fastest growing one. And what's so crazy is it took so long to get off the ground. Yeah, we right? went we went months with yeah. getting like 30 downloads a month, 40 yeah. downloads a month, like nothing. Yeah. And now it's just... It's <sighs> soaring now. And, and it's so crazy because it didn't really start happening until we, until we started talking about prayer, right? Yeah. Well, um, actually, it started happening with the Enneagram. Oh, Okay. It started happening with the Enneagram and then prayer just, it caught the second wind Yeah, with prayer. Well, you guys are the real ones. Absolutely. We love you we guys. We're so grateful for you. Um, love you guys so much. I, I feel like <laughs> I almost wanted to be like kind of a jerk and then give a plug for, you know, there's a giving link to <laughs> <laughs> yeah don't do that yeah i'm not gonna do that i just thought it was yeah like i i wanted to be that guy just yeah. for the for the meme of it and yeah i was like uh, no do it for the meme clay yeah, yeah do it for the <laughs> do meme. it for the meme what did, what did you say to me sometimes you gotta just sacrifice for the fit yeah some, just gotta, do it for the meme got, yeah, just do it for the meme um anyways so we're talking about uh scripture reading we are um, talking the, about scripture the rule reading. of life for scripture reading yeah so um Actually, what Ken calls it is nourishing your soul through sacred reading. Mm. Um, almost like it's eating, almost right. Yeah, partaking well, in it something is, that right? you need. It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, feasting on the Word of God, kind of imagery there. I mean, we also get the whole idea from Peter, right? Uh, I think it's from Peter. The the milk and meat kind of mm, that's deal. paul that, oh that's paul okay yeah, that's paul sorry that's in uh, romans <laughs> okay um yes so you've got plenty of plenty of things there that uh, it's not an area weak with metaphor right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's pretty prevalent um but the thing that i love about the way that ken sets it up through that metaphor is look here's the deal 
we have to eat to live. Mm-hmm. If you stop eating, you will die. Yeah. Eventually. But at the same point, I don't know about you, but like, um, I really like to eat. Mm-hmm. Like good food is therapeutic. Mm-hmm. In the same way, I, I don't remember as a kid people talking to me about the Bible and sacred readings as something that was therapeutic. I remember it very obligatorily. Like, oh, if you want to be a good Christian, you have to read your Bible. Mm. The language is always have to, have to, you need to. It was um, obligation and fear driven. Which leads you to not want to do it. Exactly. And so I didn't really like doing it. I thought it was boring. I didn't understand how to read it. I'm like, what is this nonsense? Um, and it wasn't that I like didn't believe in God or I would see things in it that I didn't agree with. It was just genuinely like, this book sucks, yo. Like, it's not a good read. Um, but I also think it's because it's the way I was approaching it. Mm. If I approached it as like, hey, this is nourishment for your soul. That's a very different outlook. And it goes back to what Ken said last week with prayer. Prayer is not something we have to do. Prayer is something we get to do. Yeah. Well, the same way. Scripture reading is not something we have to do. It's something we get to do. I mean, just knowing Paul, don't you think he'd love to be able to walk around with a Bible? Yeah. And here we are. We got it amply available to us. You got it available at every hotel. You can get it free online. Yep. You can get little, you know, you can get Bibles for next to nothing. Yep. I mean, I saw some, some I got a magazine in the mail the other day for Wellhouse, and they were selling Bibles for $3.99. Wow. That's cheap. Like, Bibles are cheap. At least in America. Yeah, let's, in America. That's fair. Yeah. If you obviously if you live in a in a a country that's hostile towards Christians, obviously a Bible's not gonna be more accessible very accessible to you. But yeah. for us, it's very accessible to us. And so it's definitely something that I don't think that we do enough of. Yeah, and, and on that same point though, and if I'm incorrect in this, please correct me. But um we it feels like we take advantage of it because mm-hmm. there are people that mm-hmm. don't have access to a bible we do but i mean we if you always have access to something you don't think about what it would be if life if you didn't have it right and so you don't really worry about it and yeah. you just you end up and that's like the epitome of what taking advantage means right like right. you stop regarding it for the value of what it is yeah and i think that's what we've done with scripture reading now, I'm sure you've all heard me. I think scripture is a story and it needs to be read as a story. I'm not a fan. I'll just be completely honest. I'm not a fan of people reading like one verse and calling it a day and like really chewing on one verse or something like I'm not a fan. Um, I think God communicates himself so much greater through the narrative than he does through six words. No. Um, so not a huge fan of that, but if you're reading and God's revealing, who am I to say you're doing it wrong? That's yeah. just how I feel. And Ken has a section in here called chewing on the word. 
And I kind of think that's what he's getting at is like, now he also wants you to read the story and we'll talk about that in a minute because I think he has something that is very helpful Mm -hmm. when you're reading the Bible. But at the same point, I think Ken also wants you to pick something out of your story and chew on it, wrestle with it. What does that mean? How do I incorporate that into life? What is God trying to communicate to me and what is he trying to teach me through reading this? You know, and I think that those two things work together in a way that you have to know the narrative to be able to pull out one verse and chew on it. You know, you have to know the full story. Yep. Um, if you don't know the full story, you take out one verse, it's not going to make any sense to you. Yeah. Um, which is why I struggle with the whole idea of like, pastors picking one verse and preaching on it um on sunday mornings because you get new people and they're gonna be like what's around (laughs) like this doesn't make any sense to me yeah yeah. you know um so that's my that's my thought process on it yeah no i get i get that for sure so then ken also has a deal in here about meditating i think we've talked about meditation quite a bit on here have we not as much as I would like, actually. Okay, so first and foremost, the thing about meditation, you have to be a patient person. Hmm. Like meditation yeah. is not something you can do. Microwave is running, I mean, uh, meditation is running a barbecue pit. It's not operating a microwave. Yeah. It takes time. Because you're really searching, you're grinding, you're looking and meditating on the words of God for the voice of God. I'll be honest, meditation's hard for me. Oh, I love it. So hard for me. That I, shocks me, actually. I I wish I was better with it, but my brain just runs 90 miles an hour all the time. Mm. And it's hard for me to like focus in yeah. on you know one statement of you know, about God's existence, right? For yeah, instance, I get that. closer look, I am who I am. If I were to meditate on that, I would have a really hard time. Yeah, I get that. Um, I get that. Well, and see, that's how I came up with my interpretation of I am who I am, right. is meditation. meditation. So, um, I want to spend some time doing this. He's got a section in here about memorizing scripture. I'll be honest, I should probably do better at that than I do. Um, well, once you get out of the, the, the kids' church, you stop memorizing scripture. Well, um, so when I was in North Carolina, I went on a silent hike up a mountain. I was there on sabbatical. I went up a, a silent hike up a mountain with our friend Andrew Barrett. We had packed a lunch to eat when we got to the top of the mountain. Before we ate, and before we even said a word, Andrew was like, let me bless the food for us. And after we blessed the food, like we started talking. But he recited an entire psalm. Way to go, Andrew. That was his prayer. He, like the recitation of an entire psalm was his prayer. And I was like, this is insane to me. 
how like what is this sorcery that he can do these <laughs> things um yeah just pretty strange like I, I i haven't done that yeah i've memorized large sections of psalms and things like that, but yeah, he yeah. memorized an entire psalm and prayed it out loud at the top of a mountain wow. and it was like very meaningful and impactful um memorizing scripture is important it is it's 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 something that i need to do better at so when I when I start thinking about memorizing scripture though, and people like reciting, you think about the memory verses from like, yes, but no, no, I think about the Book of Eli. Oh, the movie, the movie, yeah, because he's like got the whole book memorized. He's the got whole the Bible. whole Bible memorized, and he had like one of the last ones in existence. Yeah, and was able to recite it over and over and over again, so that they could, could rewrite yeah. the yeah. Oh, that's, uh, yeah, I forgot about that movie. So. That's pretty crazy right there. <laughs> that is pretty, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. That is pretty crazy. But think about, think about how many song lyrics, you know. Oh, so many. If I didn't have all these song lyrics in my head, I probably could memorize the whole Bible. <laughs> like, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. yeah, we're capable of doing it. We just don't. Yeah. So here's, here's. One thing that I want you to know, one of my goals as a pastor is I want people to fall in love with the Bible. Mm. I am critical of the Bible because I love it. Yeah. Um, and I want people to fall in love with the scriptures in the way that I have. Ken has a great thing in here and he calls it imagining the story. Oftentimes, I feel like we think the, it's obligatory that we read the Bible because we're not reading it as a story. We're reading it as propositional truths, so or we're reading it as um, out of obligation or something like that. We're, we're reading it because we have to, and the way we're reading it and what we're looking for is wrong. Yeah. Not, maybe not wrong, but it the way we read it and what we're looking for leads us to reading it in such a way that we create some of the problems for ourselves that we have about not wanting to read the Bible. Mm. Ken has this deal and he calls it imagining the story and he wants you to read the story, but the whole purpose of reading the story is not to learn the story, but to invite yourself into the story. Mm. So he wants you as you read, so here's, here's the example he gives. Let's walk through an example of reading the Bible in this way. The story where Jesus walks on water in Matthew 14, 22 through 33. You might begin by imagining this setting. It's two in the morning and you are in a boat on a lake with the disciples when a furious storm breaks out. Here's the questions he wants you to ask. What do you hear? What do the waves look like? What's the feeling in your stomach as you bob perilously up and down? Mm. How does the wind feel in, in your face? In the distance, you see what appears to be a ghost gliding on the water toward you. How do you feel? How are the others in the boat reacting? The ghostly apparition gliding towards you on the water speaks in a familiar voice saying, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. What emotions do these words stir inside of you? 
you wonder, is it the Lord? Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. You climb out of the boat and begin to walk on the water towards Jesus. What is it like to walk on water? How does the churning water feel under your feet? What does Jesus' face look like? What's his expression as he looks at you? Now you turn your head and focus on the wind and the waves and you start to sink. How cold is the water? What emotions are you experiencing now? You cry out, Lord, save me. Jesus catches you with his hand. How does his hand feel as it grasps your arms? What is going through your heart? What do you want to say to Jesus now? Imagining a scene in scripture helps us become part of the story and allows the story to become part of us. So I've done a meditative practice like that before for um, like the crucifixion scene. Yeah. Let me tell you, life changing. Oh, yeah. Like I was just sitting here following along. Yeah. Multiple times got chills from head to toe. Right. Um, Walking through and putting yourself into the narrative will change how you read the narrative. Well, and I do want to say this. So a lot of times in our traditions, we have, we have steered people away from doing that. Yeah. Because of a fear of something called eisegesis. Right. Reading into the text something that's not there versus pulling out what is there. If I can just be honest. It's a very different thing than putting yourself into the text. Actually, I don't think it is because you're no. going to make assumptions about what's happening in the story that are not actually explicitly named. Okay. But if I can just be real honest, I don't care that much. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's a it's that making those little assumptions about like what it sounds like. Yeah, I don't what the water feels like under your feet like is that really a big deal, people? I don't... For me, it seems much more... In things like that, that seems superfluous. Yeah. Um, people are reading. People are trying to know Jesus. People are learning what God is revealing to them. What... When you do those meditative practices, who do you think is creating those images for you? Hmm. Like is that, yeah, I mean, like, I think that's probably God. Yeah, I think it's probably the Holy Spirit and his work inside you. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm like, if, if we only went off what the text actually said, we wouldn't say much of anything. Yeah. I, I'm just, I'm very much less concerned about you inviting yourself into that story and making up assumptions about that. I just, it, it's not a big fear for me, especially in a situation like that, because what do I always say? I feel like we grew up and church was an academic exercise. Mm. It's about what you knew. Yeah. And that's not what church is. Church is a place of healing and wholeness. And the only way you experience that is by not only inviting 
Jesus into your story, but inviting yourself into Jesus's story. That's mm. a two-way street. Paul says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Yeah. Jesus says, greater things than I will you do. As much as we're inviting Jesus into our story, he's inviting us into his. I see very little problem with doing what Ken is asking people to do. I think it's quite helpful yeah. for a lot of people. And so as you are writing your rule of life for reading scripture, I try to read scripture f devotionally um, four times a week. At least that's my rule is I'm going to read scripture at least four times a week. Some weeks it's a grind to get to four. Other weeks I'll read seven or eight times. Some of you need to create your rule where it carves out time to read. Others of you need to write a rule for how you're going to read. You might read the Bible every day, but maybe you need to write in your rule, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this as a story, and I'm going to invite myself into the story because I've been reading the Bible for 20 years, not doing it that way every day. Maybe it's time I try it another way. Maybe that's your rule. Your rule can be a number of different things on this. What I want, and maybe your rule, as Ken suggests, is like, hey, I'm going to memorize one verse a week. I'm going to memorize, like, I'm going to start doing scripture memorization. Your rule could be a number of different things related to scripture. I'm going to meditate on scripture twice a week. Right? It, like, the options are endless of what this can look like. The end goal here is we want to fall in love with Scripture. We want to read Scripture. We want to read Scripture for what it is, this, this amazing book that's been given to us as a revelation of God and God's character and love for us. Reading Scripture and inviting ourselves into that narrative and inviting Jesus into our own narrative is an experience of healing through the grace that's revealed in the scriptures.